0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Clear Minds Unfiltered. In this series, I will start a mental health conversation. And in this first episode in the series, I will speak with a guest about living with anxiety. This guest is Mr. Malcolm King. He is my friend, but also he serves as the director of the Sexual Assault Center of the Gateway Center in South Georgia. Stay tuned. I hope you enjoy. All right, here we are again. This time I'm here with my friend. So we're just gonna talk about living with anxiety. Um, the, you may get, we, listen, we've already recorded this. This is just what I'm going to say to everybody. But because technology is what it is, it just got messed up. So you may see that part at another time, but it was probably such a blessing because we're just going to have a regular talk. So funnily enough, my anxiety is currently heightened right now because we have had to restart this. So we're going to just jump on into this and talk about living with anxiety. It is so common. And yo, check this out. I actually read somewhere recently where um, they are saying that um, this COVID thing mm-hmm. has increased mental health issues by like 24%, which is huge. That's almost a fourth, that's like a great, that's a huge increase in the, yes. and the most of the increase is related to anxiety. So the reality of the situation is this thing is real. It's affecting us all. And it's, I think it's just going to be so good to talk about what is going on and how are we, just as regular people, how are we dealing with it, right? It's so, you know, I'm Marcella. For those of you that don't know, this is Malcolm.
1: <laughs> we have
0: professional jobs that we do, and this is my professional job that I do. And we're also friends. So we have watched each other's anxiety journey for a large part of our adult lives. And Malcolm has agreed to get on here and talk to me about just what this journey has been like for him. So again, as with most of my stuff, this is not going to be like a whole little structured clinical setup thing. We are just having a conversation about what anxiety has been like, you know, and I'll just kind of throw it out for me. It really, it has been at the loss of control. Mm. I like to be in control if nothing else. I like to be in control. I, I look at it as a blessing and occasionally a curse. But I think for me, it's more so a blessing because it's how I've been able to keep things in line. So you know good and well, this COVID mess has thrown my game off and my ability to be in control off. So I would say it has definitely been heightened um, there. What about, what about you? What, what is your, uh, what's the basis for your issues with anxiety?
1: Well, as far as the list the COVID-19 stuff that we're in the midst of that, although they're laxing restrictions, we still seem to be in the middle of it. Um, I think it's interesting that you brought up the, the point about control, because what I found is, one, you don't have to depend on anybody else. So you don't have to worry about somebody else right. coming up short and infecting you. But what that also means is that everything is on your shoulders. Yeah. Any slight hiccup like this video cutting out in the middle of that great conversation then puts you in a position where there are no AV people to look at and say, hey man, get this straight or hey, help out with this. It's just all on you. There's no way to share that. Um, as, far as, as far as me right now, it's been a blessing and a curse because in one sense, a big part of my job is to stand in front of people and talk, which as a person who's riddled with anxiety, you would think would be a nightmare. Uh, (laughs) I've been able to do so much of that stuff from the the comfort of my home. So, you know, one of my big uh, indicators, this I'm giving away the goat right now, for anxiety is um, trembling, I said, one, two, trembling and sweating. I get really Mm. anxious sweats. And Mm -hmm. from the comfort of my home, man, I can set the air on wherever I want it to be. (laughs) That's right. Blowing on me. So I can still poker face my way through certain things. And the things that typically give me away as he's not feeling very confident right now. He's feeling like an imposter right now. Right. Aren't there. You can't see it, you know? so. That's yeah. been a benefit, and not having to interact so much with people, and, and you you and I have talked about this before, this concept of being on, game-facing it, not necessarily having to do that all day long, I'm mm-hmm. having a particularly anxious day, I don't have to just walk all day with a smile, you know, semi-robotic, hey, how you doing, and wreck on the inside, you know, I can just... Yeah. I have these I call presentations and it takes a lot out and I can close the computer and I can go on the couch and I can sit down and I can almost just decompress yeah to get my mind right again so that's been that's been a huge benefit
0: I'm sure you know and I'm gonna I'm on a, even a little bit I'm gonna challenge that whole walking around with a smile because you have known me long enough to know that the one of the ways that I deal with my anxiety is just not smiling when I don't <laughs> I don't want to. So I I think it's so interesting and such a great juxtaposition to see how we both approach it. And for you, in order to survive in a world that's not necessarily comfortable for you in social gatherings, it is to portray this picture, picturesque um, portrait of you, you know, as the nice smiling guy with the great teeth great teeth. Y'all, he has great teeth. Uh, With the great teeth, you know, everything is quaffed and put together. And for me, it is truly to almost live in this space where it's just like, if I actually don't care for the day, it's going to be apparent that I don't care for the day. Because having to pretend to care actually increases my anxiety. I know it sounds so weird, but it's just, it's kind of how we're sort of at opposite ends of the spectrum related to how we process right so let's love we we named the video I named the video living with anxiety when you wake up in the morning what does your day look like as a person that lives with anxiety heightened levels of anxiety what does your typical day look like from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed I'll share mine too but let's start with yours
1: all right so I will say that by and large when I wake up it's almost like a like there's a duality it's two different um, lives being lived throughout the day it's the hey this is the stuff that you've got to get done the effort you have to put forward to get this stuff done and to make moves that you have to make to keep a roof over your head and keep your staff you know safe and <laughs> employed mm-hmm. then there's a background life that's being lived that's managing that anxiety all day and all of the offshoots of what side effects are happening based off the stuff that you have to do and manage yeah. so when i wake up in the morning i'm thinking about generally i'm re- <laughs> i've been restless <laughs> so i'm waking up from i have decent sleep so that so, so that people talking about getting uh, up on the wrong side of the bed. Most days I get up on the wrong side of the bed, just because- Really? Yes, it's it's hard to find a place of relief, because my nights are anxiety-ridden.
0: I was gonna say, do you think that that is directly linked to your issues with anxiety that you get that restlessly?
1: Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, this is shifting gears a little bit, and forgive me, yeah. you know, that's what I do. At, at about 1 o'clock this morning, my home alarm goes. And so I wake up and, you know, I give parents all the credit in the world. I don't know how they wake up in the middle of the night to feed and take care of babies. Because the stupor that I was in when that alarm went off, and I was trying to figure out, OK, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Where is that? Mm-hmm. From? Is that a store near me? Is that someone else's mm-hmm. house? Is it my car? Then getting the call to find out, hey, what's going on? Walking around, checking the doors, checking the windows to see what's going on. Right. All of that was making me anxious. Even though I could barely comprehend what was going on, I was getting very anxious. Then I found what the problem was. For whatever reason, the door sensor, had the command strip failed, it fell off. Therefore, it thinks the door is open. But now, I'm up. Still dog tired for another two hours because I can't shut my brain off. Because now I can't stop thinking about okay, you had a moment of peace there where you finally got to sleep about an hour ago. So right at about midnight, you finally got yourself to sleep. Now you're up and now you're thinking, what if somebody does break in? Are you prepared? for a break-in. You got this interview in the morning. How are you going to do that interview? You're going to be tired. She's going to be able to tell you're tired. You're going to let her down. She's been waiting to do this. You knew it was coming. Why didn't you mm. take those things before you closed that door? What made it fall Did you not do a good job cleaning the alcohol before you mm. the door? And just that Spiraling. door? Spiraling.
0: You just spiraled.
1: For about two hours. So mm. it's, it's not always that. It's not always... I, not always something pointed like that. Right. Very point. I can pinpoint this happens. Right. It sometimes it's not that point. Sometimes yeah. it's it's just this feeling of dread is dread for what's coming, even if I don't. Yeah. Know.
0: I love that you say sometimes it's not pointed because I promise you, when it comes to me, you know, I kind of look at my anxiety as sort of a sinking place. I could be there for like 20 minutes and then become alert and be like, how did I get here? How did I get to this place of panic? And I can't, I can't tell you, I can't trace it back. So, (laughs) so funny, but I can't. Now you and I have talked and even with my mom, we have talked where you will be like, where you will say, okay, tell me what happened this, what happened this, what happened this? And then and together, you've helped me find it, which is why I think therapy is such a great thing, too, mm. because it really makes you walk through and be intentional about walking through everything that you have experienced to find it. But you're absolutely right, sometimes you cannot pinpoint what triggered the anxiety, what triggered the panic attack, because you know, anxiety is just what it is. Because what triggered your anxiety was actually a healthy thing, you needed to know if you needed to fight a beat fly away or freeze, take action, or or just like pause and assess. And you chose to pause, assess, and figure out what was going on. But then what followed, that's that that's that extra part, right? That not being able to go back to sleep. And so you know it becomes how do you rationalize it? How do you convince yourself that it is okay to relax in that moment and fall asleep as a person living with anxiety?
1: So, one, give you props because that was an awesome segue to get into that fight, flight, freeze. You did. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> that actually takes us back to the beginning of how my my days start. And yeah. How, how you asked how do you rationalize? Um, it's an ongoing process. It is an ongoing process. It's every day. There's just this background thing going on of trying to make stuff make sense, and that's mm-hmm. the thing you and I when we talk about things, um, tragedies that happen, injustice, uh, racism, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, help me, help me make this make sense because it's not making sense. Right. That thing, happened. Yeah. and sometimes it's easier than 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 others, and sometimes. I can get right to the point of what it is and talk myself off that ledge. Right, it's really not that big a deal. And even if it is, who cares? The advice I'll give somebody is, who cares? Who cares? You're you're at home right now in the safety of your house, Mm -hmm. your bed, (laughs) your furniture that you paid for, the windows are locked, the doors are locked. You're, You're fine. You're fine.
0: Yeah.
1: And other times. It's not other times, it's a rabbit hole. And it just it keeps-
0: is. And it's that space that I think people are struggling with the most. Because I can tell you countless of ways of how I get out of the hole. And you you know what? And you know this. The main way I get out of it is taking all blame of every situation and putting it on me. Mm-hmm. And why do I do that? You you viewers out there may be asking, because I'm in control of me. I can't control you. I can't control what's going on. I can't control the government. I can't control these racist people out here killing folks. I can't control any of that. What I can control is me. And so I will, oh my gosh, I am the queen of over-rationalizing that situation down to the idiot's bittiest point and being like, oh, this is actually a you thing. You can fix you. And it's it's such, sometimes it's right, but the majority of the times it's actually not me, but I need it to be me so that I can fix me. And I've used that mostly, especially dealing with freaking relationships, yo. Being in relationship with people, that is such an out of control thing, right? So, and that's another, we're gonna get there, we're gonna get there. But let's stay with this sort of this idea of going through your day and things that could potentially trigger you during the day and how do you prepare for those triggers? You said you live your life with, your, um, with how you're approaching anxiety as a background noise. I typically live with it as a, right there in the center. So how is that operating in the background? How are you preparing yourself for the triggers?
1: Actually, I was less of a background noise and more uh, of it's having the radio on and having the TV on. Hmm. So it's, uh, okay, what is the most urgent thing you need to focus on here? If the news is on television, and it's the weather channel, and I need to know how I need to prepare for the day because it's going to storm and the radio is on over here. And it's just a song that I Mm -hmm. like and want to recite the lyrics to. I have to focus on the TV in this, in this moment. And then the radio will still be playing. It's still be something that I hear, but I also recognize there'll be a moment where I've gotten what I need from the TV and I can kind of take that game face off. And now my focus is on the song is halfway over. I jump to the song and I sing the rest of what's going on. And the rest of the weather is just kind of playing in the background. So it's this back and forth. And frankly, the anxiety, I guess now that I think about it, you're right. The anxiety plays a backseat to what's happening, but I can't ignore it. I can't put it away. It's still there. It's just in order for everything to function as it needs to. I have to focus on this thing right here. And that's not always easy yeah in, in fact sometimes i fail. i feel miserably. um yeah sometimes i'm doing presentations and that anxiety will creep up and it'll be so overwhelming that i have to take a beat because i can't i can't let the tv be my focus i've got to focus on the radio i just got to dance
0: yes Yes. So, yes. I'm, I'm gonna give you a snap on that appreciate it oh, you,
1: okay. go ahead okay. go ahead yeah um uh, so i asked hey, I need to run to the restroom really quickly um, and in go. And something that I'm sure you're going to talk to people about, which is removing yourself from the situation. I remove myself from the situation as much as I can to give that radio all the focus, all the focus I can give it, try to work my way through it. Then I return to a regularly scheduled program. So and it yes. can be the same, man. It can be um, waking up and... I did not feel arrested. so now I'm. It's the juxtaposition of: Are you gonna go lift these weights and run, or are you gonna sleep for another hour? Cause you gonna right. sleep for another hour. How's are they gonna be affected if you don't get this extra sleep? Right. How's are they gonna be affected if you don't go work out and work this anxiety away? What's more important? So that's that. That's the start of my day. That's first. Yeah. Thing alarm goes off. It's we're already in it. heavy. And it can be, you know, um, it's not usually clothing choice because I'm OCD about that stuff. It's
0: already laid out.
1: But traffic. Whole it, other
0: conversation.
1: It is. It, it'd be another podcast.
0: Yeah. But
1: then it's, it's getting getting to work. What time do I, do I leave? Do I want to yeah. get to work? Super early? What are my interactions going to be like once I, once I get there? Mm-hmm. What do I to accomplish today? Am I mentally prepared to uh, accomplish it? What about the things that are unforeseen that I know I could probably handle, but I may not want to handle? How am I going to act? Yeah. I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. Or beneficial for me as the safe guy who doesn't want to be viewed as intimidating and scary, how do I navigate the yes and the
0: no? Yeah. You know, that's so good. So. Yeah, that's so good. What you're introducing there and what is so good is, honestly, this idea, and I think, I I su- I don't think, I suggest this to clients a lot that struggle with anxiety, is taking things one step at a time, one action, one. Scientists have proven, and I'm going to repeat this, scientists and researchers have proven that Mentally, we cannot multitask, that is an impossibility. We cannot actually do more than one thing at one time. When we attempt to, we typically distress ourselves, right? When we think we're doing it, we typically are also doing something wrong or not as well as we would at the same time. So what you described is that we have to turn down the radio to pay attention to the TV, turn off the TV to pay attention to the um, radio, we, but we live in a world and in a time right now where we want to be able to do everything at the same time. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, I really want to watch this show, Money Heist, but if I have to read the subtitles, it's not going to work because I need to be able to play the game on my phone, right? Knowing that it doesn't matter, I'm going to be missing something. So mm-hmm. when we are already waking up in the morning, approaching life with this idea that we have to do seven things, at one time, we're setting ourselves up for um, distress levels, traumatic experiences, and increased levels of anxiety. And so it sounds like what you are saying, what you've been able to do is you now realize you do have, there, there are constantly two things going on, but you switch over from one to the other. Now, sometimes that switching over from one to the other can be distressful. I hear you saying that, right? yes right so have you uh, for me excuse me I really try to do one thing like if it's time to take a shower that's all I'm doing I can't I have to be so forceful about you can't really think about anything else even though there are 19 other things sitting right there ready to invade my space so the question is how do we keep those 19 things from invading our space
1: so we're going to have to hammer this out cuz <laughs> I don't have an answer for you.
0: Wait, uh, yeah, what what do you use? How do you do it?
1: I'm going to jump in to the analogy you gave, not even analogy, it was an example of the shower. I so need to be multitasking to not give myself that out almost to just sit and anxiety that I have been going to take a shower, getting in the shower and stopping and realizing, okay, nothing else is going on. I should at least get some music and went, go back and get my phone and turn my phone. So that, that's that's playing, like I'm listening to music while I'm in the shower. Or, okay, I am I just got back from the gym. I need to take a shower. I also need to wash clothes. It's going to take me 10, 15 minutes to take a shower. I should put clothes in the washing machine before I get in the shower. So that way um, I'm accomplishing something while I'm in this shower so right. that I have almost a sense of control. So yeah. I mean, there's something that I'm doing that I'm doing well. So even if for whatever reason this shower is doing well, I'm accomplishing something in the background. and that's Oh,
0: that's so real.
1: It's kind of what, how I tend to- It's
0: so real. And then right there, I would have to, I would challenge myself to be like, what standard am I living by? Who is telling me that I have to have the, nobody else, I don't know about you, but nobody else lives in my house but me. So nobody else is worried about if I get these clothes washed at the same time. But I am so obsessed with it and causing myself so much distress." that I cannot rest or I cannot go through the day when really the standard is being set by me or you, and we both have the power to change those standards.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would it look like to adjust your standard? And it's so important that we, that we look at our language when it comes to dealing with anxiety, because people living with anxiety look at adjusted standards as lowering the
1: standard. Absolutely.
0: So, when really you're just adjusting your standard, okay? You're adjusting what's on your plate. Just like if you realize, you know what, this time when I ate this much food, I felt like this. So next time I'm going to adjust what's on my plate, right? Sometimes it's increase a vegetable side and decrease a a carbohydrate side, but it's just an adjustment. It's not necessarily a decrease or an increase because we're living our lives on a continuum. Right. But at, with when you're living with anxiety, we struggle with that because all it looks like it is either this is a win or a loss, a win or a loss. And if I didn't do these 19 things I had on my list, I have lost for the day. Forget the fact that we did 18.5. We didn't do 19. Therefore, we've lost for the day.
1: OK, so speaking truth, how do I navigate? through, because yeah. right now, perhaps this I'm trying to think of how to phrase it, perhaps I'm in a dangerous place, mm-hmm. because what I started to do, because the anxiety was getting so out of control, and a part of it is not talking to uh, the same mental health professional I was before, but it was getting so out of control that I had these standards that were impossible to attain. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So I just started to force myself to be okay with failure, but the failure that you're talking about, not like, you know, um, it's
0: just not really failure.
1: Uh, here, here, here's the issue with that though. It's not really failure, but it's, it's still a real thing. So I I can, I can know every day or all day, every day that, Accomplishing 18.5 of those 19 things is a win, and I would tell you as my friend, as a yeah. professional, yo man, you, you need to take stock of what you did. Yep. I mean, baseball, that, you know, 500 is great, which means half the time you come up, half you get a hit, the rest you get struck out.
0: Yeah, I don't know baseball stuff. Okay. I'm
1: sorry. So I can tell you that, and, and no. Like, come on, man. What you're right. doing is reckless. You got to have more care with yourself. But yeah. at the same time, I will sit there and say, 18 and a half out of 19. All right, man. That's another That's another L. That's another L for the day. Yeah. You know, learning that you got to eat crap and like high it What
0: and would it feel like for you to put one thing on your list for the day and just...
1: I think, it would, it would, I don't
0: know, because I think I would make it multiple things. And here's the thing. It's okay, you know, for those of us that need schedules, list, checklists, you know, a to-do, you know, those things like that. And most people who live with anxiety, we need those things because we need structure. Mm-hmm. But it's just about what would it feel like to just put a single thing on there Give yourself space and room to do more than that, but realizing that all you set for yourself to accomplish for that day was that one thing. And not let that thing be a, 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 um, a conceptual thing, but more of an abstract, like, I just need to be happy today. Whatever that looks like. I just want to achieve happiness. You and I have talked about that before. You and I have talked about, look, all I'm doing, we would, ju- we would talk about how we would try to plan our weekends to just achieve happiness. happiness. But we struggled to do it in relationship with other people, which this is going to take us to our next phase. How has anxiety affected relationships with other people? Because a lot of people that live with anxiety, myself in particular, I can figure out happiness when I don't have to deal with things outside of my control. And that biggest thing is other people. It could be people I love. It's mainly people I love, right? We interact with. <laughs> it is. We don't really deal with people that we don't like regularly, but it's just like, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. But realizing even in that, there's still a level where we can choose. We can choose to sit in the moment and even embrace the differing emotions such as being frustrated, being annoyed, being hurt, being sad, and not looking at those things as defeat in our life and as failure. Simply looking at them as having a human experience and a lot of people that struggle with anxiety, myself included, we try, to, we try to avoid the negative parts of the human experience because we, we just look at it as triggers to our anxiety mm-hmm. and as another space where we can't feel safe to just be off, you know, just another space. And we haven't realized how to make all of that human experience a place where we can just be whoever we need to be whenever we need to be. And it's, it's complex. I know I threw a lot out there, but let's talk about that.
1: I will say that that is the single most stressful part of my life, interaction, human to human interaction because it's what you said, when when it's just me, I'm already (laughs) an anxiety ridden mess, so to speak but I know how to keep myself under control. I know how to... No, I won't say I'm not putting myself under control. I've come to a place where I can handle myself. I can handle my quirks and eccentricities and all that stuff. But when you introduce other people to the equation, it then turns into this, okay, I have to be on. I have to take care of me. But I also have to take care of them. And... It's great to have interaction with other people. You need interaction with other people. But that allure of just being by yourself and only having to deal with your own stuff and not having to deal with other people's stuff is so powerful, man. It's Is yeah. what I think hard feels like because there's no desire to do anything else most of the time but the alone and deal with my own stuff and another yeah. piece for me is people aren't always accepting of anxiety so I have told everybody you know everybody if you are in relation even people who I'm not very fond of Did You
0: tell everybody just real quick check
1: it <laughs> everybody E-R-Y. so you
0: let everybody know what what if you let them know
1: once I learned what was going on with me and how I need to cope, I let everybody know, look, generalized anxiety disorder. That's, that's me. That's, that's what I have. This is how I cope with it. And almost no one, I say almost, because there are a couple people, you, you, you included, who take <laughs> it. And you, you have the benefit of knowing what it is clinically. Most people don't. Mm -hmm. but so many of the people I have to interact with cannot see outside of themselves and their desire yeah so what I need to cope is taken as a personal attack or dislike so I, I have people who I know who I express for example I'm really not good with like long phone conversations. I'm very much a get in, get out person. If you're calling, you need to have something to talk about that I can wrap my brain around and I can do do my best at, I can be my best on this topic. And then you can shoot the breeze for a bit, but there are people who are totally okay, more extroverted with having a phone conversation every day for multiple hours even though I have explained that for me to remain—I don't want to say sane because that sounds flippant—in order for me to maintain, I don't need to be in this position of having to be on all the time, having to entertain,
0: yeah,
1: be social, and there was a call, every day, it, yeah, or or and expect
0: times. you to answer
1: and expect me to answer.
0: And and I think what what you're saying is not necessarily in order for you to stay sane or whatever, but it's in order for you to have boundaries that work for you. This is my personal space. This is how I get my mental health um, break. This is how I care for myself. Mm -hmm. In order for you to engage in self-care, you are saying, I want to reduce the number of hour-long conversations I have to have in a day, let alone a week um and you've shared that with people this is what we're gonna do malcolm we're gonna leave the people hanging we're gonna we're gonna get ready to wrap this up because that's where we're gonna pick up we're gonna do no another problem. episode of this we're gonna do another episode and we're gonna talk about how do we interact how do we who live with an anxiety live with anxiety interact explain and then develop relationships with people that do not live with anxiety That's a whole other conversation we can be in here for another 45 minutes. But as we're wrapping up, this is what I want us to do. I want you to tell people, what are you doing in your life that works? What? Give me one thing that you're doing in your life that works, that helps you to cope and live with your anxiety.
1: So it is imperative, from my point of view, it is imperative that you find something that you thoroughly enjoy. Mm. Something that you find relief in and something that you can win at to do. That is one of the best things that I have found that works for me. Uh, For the longest time, mine was fitness, exercise, lifting weights. I love it. I became very good at it over, over several years and I would start my day every day that I could with it because for me that was a guaranteed win. It would take the edge off for me for most of the day. There would still be things that would come up. That radio was still in the background. It was just turned way down because I'm starting my day on a positive. Even if that night's sleep was was awful, even if I was reflecting on things from 20 years ago, and yeah. it was driving me insane because I can't change it because I'm not in control of what happened 20 years ago. I could get up and I can go in that gym and I can move those weights around and I can improve my fitness and I can feel myself being a better me.
0: Yeah.
1: And that set my day up here. So I'm starting here. So if everything else, it might take me down some, it may be gravy and it goes up, but at least I'm starting high. Find something that you enjoy that you can do, not necessarily depending on other people. Well, so this person got to be here. I got to have access to this, access to that. That you know, yeah. every day you can get your hands on and make it a win. That has worked wonders for me. And it's not a cure, it's not
0: going to cure you. There is no right.
1: cure this thing. But it's how
0: you are coping.
1: It's, it's a coping mechanism.
0: A healthy coping skill. Okay, for me, I want to um, invite you to self-soothe. I do that a lot. And there are several ways that I do that. I do it with self-talk. Um, I'm always talking to myself. I also do it by allowing myself to panic. And that, that's something that we have to un- unpack because it can be controversial because most people don't even like using the word panic. But I, I, I give it to myself. I allow myself to break down And because I do, I don't break down in public settings, hardly ever. Mm -hmm. So I allow myself space um, to break down and and I also self-soothe. So those are things that I do. If you wanna learn more about that process and how that works, you can feel free to contact me. Please follow the Clear Minds Counseling, Consulting and Training Facebook page. We will have a part two of this. Uh, Mr. King, thank you so much. This is such a great conversation. I'm looking forward to picking this up. So if you have watched this video and you have questions for us, please let us know. Let me know. Um, you can message me on the Clear Minds page. Um, and then I will. we will talk about that in our part two of this video. Um, and we will let you know when that's gonna air. So I've enjoyed this. How How do you feel, Mr. King?
1: Man, I feel like this is the start of something beautiful. You said one more. I feel like this is going to be just a series just going yeah. forward of, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what's new. Here's something new we've learned, something new we've read. Uh-huh.
0: So,
1: so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, can, I, can I give a plug really quick? You can give a plug. So um, I mentioned, I guess that was on the other recording, the Gateway Center, where Special Assault and Child Advocacy Center, um, we are in the business of helping people. We, the government pays for us to help victims. If you are a victim, if you, if you know someone who's been a victim, if you have a relative who's a victim of child abuse, um, child sexual abuse, sexual assault, anything like that, reach out to us 229 273 0600. We are there to help. Um, I just really like to get that, that out there. I was speaking. Really, as me, this this was this was me. Um, this was a wonderful thing, but any chance I have to That's right. inform people that there are services for victims, there
0: are, and we we are in the business of helping. We we want to make this form as casual as possible, but we always want to let you know that we're here to help. So I will link contact information in um, um in the chat uh, when we're chatting on this, and so you will be able to reach out to us. All right. We'll talk to you all soon. And just like that, we've come to the end of another episode of Clear Minds Unfiltered in the new series, A Mental Health Conversation. I hope you learned something and that you enjoyed. Please remember to follow the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Clear Minds Unfiltered.